Another episode of In The Good Company podcast. Uh, super excited today to have on Nestor Velez, CEO and founder of uh, Sano Mind, uh, a company uh, tech product application focused on mental health. Uh, you know that I love to talk about this subject, so um, uh, very excited to have him on. And also because uh, I met Nestor through this group called 30. Um, I was a part of, uh, created by Musa Tariq, former CMO of Airbnb, and um, I was uh, very privileged to be a part of it for uh, several months uh, where we had weekly calls and Musa was mentoring uh, us and we were mentoring each other. And that's how I met Nestor and, uh, and I wanted to talk to him for a while now um, about um, this very interesting product and company he's creating. And obviously, as usual, we are talking about all kind of different things. I hope you'll enjoy this episode uh, and um, here is my conversation with Nestor. Enjoy! loud and clear i'm so excited to have you here you are a the first pair of the 30 group (laughs) (laughs) on this podcast which i'm very excited about 30 group just fyi it's a a group of professionals that me and esther are part of and we call each other each week and we talk about work stuff not work stuff and for each other and mentor each other Mm-hmm. And it was uh, created by Musa Tariq, uh, former CEO of Airbnb, and we just—that's how we know each other, Nestor, right? Yep, yep. It's an awesome way how we came together through Musa. I know, right? Like such a such a great uh, group of uh, different people, but I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I want to come back to you because I really want to have you on and chat about um, obviously you. But before I, um, you know, I start talking about things that we want to talk about, I, I, you know, I'm an introvert. So like small chat conversations are like nightmare for me. Like me talking too. about me weather too. is just like somebody is just like, <laughs> like putting knives in my whole my body because it's just so uncomfortable. I like to go deep. I like to go, you know, straight forward. So I usually ask this weird, not weird question, all of my guests lately, which is tell me like an important and formative experience in your life in childhood or maybe early adulthood, but something that really inspired you and motivates you, you know, really or not affected your life to this day and, and kind of, you know, feeds into what you're doing now or, or not. Mm-hmm. Just, just interested in some story from your life that kind of, inspired and form you in some way can go cannot go deeper (laughs) (laughs) i like i like the question um i'm not 
I hate small talk as well. Like, oh, it's raining outside today. Yeah, did you know tomorrow might there might be snow tomorrow? Like, oh, if, I'd rather not talk in the elevator or on the street if that's what you're going to talk about, you know. Um, yeah. But so I do have, well, I have the story of why I'm building Santa Mine, but I also, which I just recently connected to the story of. Oh my God, I love that. What is it? So growing up, you know, my parents gave me everything and more that I wanted. I grew up in, in a place called Bushwick in Brooklyn, New York. And it's, uh, you know, lower middle class neighborhood and everybody's just hardworking immigrants or a little, little bit of black people and Puerto Ricans as well in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. So you know, my parents weren't wealthy or weren't rich, but they worked hard and anything I want, anything that I could ever dream of, they got me as a kid. So my mother always wanted me to have anything new that came out so I, I wouldn't feel left out. And one of the things she got me as I was growing up was a computer. And yeah. this was back then when we had desktops and the humongous towers. Uh, so she, I didn't know anything about code. My parents didn't know anything about code or software engineering. But there was when, I, when we were using computers back then, there was it was um, Microsoft, and yeah. you just you had to it, you had to insert software in it, uh, like floppy floppy disks. And I remember those. Oh my God! Is that yeah. the end of that? <laughs> and what you had to do, you had to enter commands to start these programs and to search yeah, things. To get I remember. So that's as much as I knew about, you know, speaking or typing in computer language. But, uh, excuse me, something happened to my computer where it stopped working one day. So out of the blue, I decided, well, let me open up the tower. Oh, God. And look at what's on the inside and try to figure out <clears throat> what's wrong with it and fix it. And I didn't have, there was no Google back then. There was nothing for me to search, but I figured out that it, the problem was the motherboard. And I don't remember how I figured that out, but I bought a new motherboard, took this motherboard out and put it, put the new motherboard in and it worked and I was so happy. So from there, I started just taking everything apart inside the desktop, the tower, and then trying to put it back together from memory. And I did it two or three times. But I remember on the third time, something funny happened. When yeah. I plugged, I put everything back together. I plugged in my computer and poof, it was just, it smoked. So I, I, I must have put some, I must have did something wrong in there. And then I, I ruined the tower. So my mother had to buy me a new one. But, you know, I got older and started having issues with my mother and, you know, Things weren't getting better and, you know, a lot of arguments, but I grew up with a lot of what I, what I know now was, was depression and anxiety. But when I was a teenager and even into my early twenties, I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was sad all the time and just feeling, um, what is anxious, but I didn't know what, I didn't know what it was before. Cause there's no mental health education when you're a kid yeah. or teenagers or in college. Um, so in my early 20s, I attempted suicide twice. And after the second time, you know, I thought, well, I can't keep living like this. I do want to live. I just, I just want to live happier. So I started looking for a therapist because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I went on psychologytoday.com. And this was about, so I was about 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm 37 now. So this is 15 mm -hmm. years ago. So I'm looking at psychology.com and 
you know, you look at a profile, you read a bio and you see a, a perfect headshot of a therapist. Yeah. So the way I used to search was, okay, uh, I didn't want to go to a man. So I looked for women and I looked for a woman that I thought looked smart. And then I, the bios are similar. We treat this, 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 and that. So I started messaging them and about out of a hundred that I messaged, maybe seven to 10 responded. And they all said, I don't take your case, but I'll refer you to somebody else that might take your case. So I would call that other therapist and they would say the same thing. I got fed up and tired and I said, well, let me see if I can learn about this and help myself. So I started searching on, um, it was this website called askjeeves.com. Yeah. Yeah. So I started searching on there and then um, I started finding information about depression, anxiety, suicide, and I started understanding what everything was, but I wasn't feeling better and I didn't know how to fix whatever was going on. But it wasn't until I came across a website called YouTube, and this was very early YouTube, and there was a link with a clinical psychologist with yeah. tons of videos, of videos of everything about depression, anxiety, and suicide. And I didn't watch the videos because it was just her sitting down talking, but I listened to them every day and I practiced the things that she said to practice. And three to, for three to six months, I did that. And I'm here today. So for, for me, that saved my, she saved my life. But I was on this high of like, wow, this is amazing information, amazing content. Like I want more. And I started looking for yeah. more content around the internet and there, there was nothing around at that time. Um, so I had an idea. It would be amazing that if, Every psychologist or therapist in the United States or in the world would record this content just in audio format on a website that people can listen to if they, you know, can't afford therapy or can't find a therapist. Um, so I had that idea, but I was working at the time at like at, a, at an agency, a DJ agency that I was working on. So I didn't, I didn't go forward with that. And I didn't know how to build websites. I knew nothing about technology uh, back then. But... And, you know, I was 22, fast forward to like when I'm 30 years old, I had another yeah. rough, had another rough patch and I started looking for content again. I was like, oh, I'll do this again, what I did eight years ago. And so I found a little bit more content on YouTube, but a lot of it was a lot of um, mental health, like influencers and just people talking about mental health. And I was looking for psychologists and therapists uh, and there weren't any there. There was there was one and she's actually like a big mental health influencer. She's a therapist. Um, but I thought, oh, I remember I had this idea back then. Maybe why don't I try building something now? Because I, I worked at a couple startups. You know, I know how to build some websites and I'm interested in code now, now that I kind of know about it. So and I fast forward from 30 to about two years ago. Um, so I started thinking about it and just telling everyone about my idea and talking to therapists, um, looking for a co-founder because that's what, that's what the tech world says. You need a co technical co-founder if you don't, if you don't code. So I wasted years looking for a technical co-founder, like two years. No and, need for that. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up working with about two or three technical co-founders who panned out didn't pan out so well because they just weren't really into it as I was. Um, so I ended up just working mostly by myself. And so I just learned a little bit of code and I had a friend help me build the back end. A friend of a yeah. friend built the back end and I did, I did the front end and I launched, I launched a simple MVP app two and a half years ago. Um, and we we're doing all right, but you know, I was working, I was working on it by myself. This is just a simple audio player. 
uh, just to kind of test the idea. Yeah. And then last year I started really working on it like full time and really hard. And I said, maybe we could make this into like a big company. So I was in this program where you can find, again, where you can find a, um, a, a co-founder, you work together for like three months and then you raise some money from the accelerator and then you go out and build. But that didn't work out. So back in January, I just said, you know, I got to do this myself. And um, I was working with somebody again, which didn't work out. And in August, I hired three engineers, which I don't even know how I did that from August to September. <laughs> I managed to hire three young, intelligent, amazing engineers to work on this problem with me. And yeah, so now there are three of us, there are four of us in total. And then I have an advisor who's a tech advisor, but he actually does hands-on work for the back end. So it's really five of us on the team and then one more advisor from, uh, he built a healthcare startup and uh, he helps me with anything business because he, he was a founder of his own healthcare startup that um, got acquired about a year ago. So yeah, great. Long, it's a great long story, but yeah. Um, okay, love, uh, I love it. And that's how we came to Sanomite, your app, which we're going to talk about later. But a second, because you touched on so many things that now I have to pedal back, Nestor. <laughs> Let's yeah, start yeah. with your mom giving you this computer. I love this story because, look, like 30, what, what, 20 years later, you are working with the and you know having this new thing and even messing it up <laughs> or fixing it like it's still kind of there is this element of it still in your life like you're building now uh, in, in the tech world right mm-hmm. that is awesome and then um, you know it's like I when I was thinking to talk to you about it, and we, when you first told me about this idea uh, of a son of mine and the app you're doing. I thought it, it's just a so crucial for the time we are in, but just so important because I feel like, you know, I'm huge about it. Like a lot of my guests, we talk about mental health. I, I think it's something that is still stigmatized and needs to be openly talked about, especially after times that we are in, you know, so much stress, so much anxiety. Um, honestly, my seven-year-old, uh, for many reasons, but recently started a play therapy because I don't want her to wait until, you know, something will build up mm. and mm. make it into something else. And then there will be more, thing, more things build up on that. And then we will have to go back and pedal back and figure out where this little trigger uh, or what, what something, you know, gave you anxiety. So honestly, I probably will be judged for it, uh, for it. But my seven-year-old is in play therapy. Just, you know, there's a lot of stuff in her life now. But anyway, uh, going back to Santa Mind, um, I just love this idea because I am a strong believer, like obviously in any kind of therapy that helps you. But I'm also a strong believer that in something comes through your story that we are have a lot of answers to whatever we are facing, you know? And this is so funny because your story about founder, uh, co-founder, and it's like you were trying to look for it because that's what they tell you, but maybe your route is not finding a founder and building to your, by yourself with a team. But then, you know, going back to Sanamind again, 
I think um, it's amazing because it allows you, like you did, right, to go there, to listen to different therapies, to learn about it, because then it gives you tools to deal with your life or deal with the issues that you have. And I personally uh, uh, really like this type of therapy, even listening to somebody, because I feel like, and there's a form of therapy, right, that you observe somebody going through the situation, traumatic situation that you went through, or you know, some difficult situation and that's how you heal because you observe the situation and you feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this and this is how you go through, right? Mm. So there's Mm. like a whole um, uh, avenue of of therapies that are based on that. But tell me, so you're, what are you guys working on? Is it more about creating content, bringing talent, like a therapist? professionals like what is the main work now because it's the content there seemed pretty extensive Mm -hmm. so we're working on the 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 product now so the product that's out now the app is just it's just a simple app but uh we're working on a fully functional version one so we're working on ios android and web so okay so now now what is it this is the simple app right that's what you're saying then now Okay, so now you want to customize it per platform like Android or Yeah, so we're so when you when you well, when you want to launch a product, what you should do is build what's called an MVP at first. So, minimum viable product just to test it to see what happens. So that's what I put yeah. out first, right? <laughs> and now <laughs> Yeah, and now we're building like a fully functional version one product. So, you know, we're, we'll always be updating it or fixing um, or iterating on new features and fixing features. But this functional one, fully functional one product will be so that therapists can use it on their own. So right now they have to send me email by email uh, the content that they record. And then I have to create the cover, the artwork for it. And I manually upload it onto the app on my back end. But it's way too time-consuming. So they'll be able to use SantaMind just like they use LinkedIn, just like we use social media. So they can sign up. They create their own profile. They can record and upload content and then publish it within the app. And then the home, the home feed will look just like or similar to like when you open up Spotify or Headspace or Calm. It's content and you can click, choose what you want to listen to. Um, Probably that content will be also customized by what tend to listen to or subject you are interested in, right? Yeah, yeah. And feedback this data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so that's one of the big things that we're working on is an algorithm to you know match people to content that they're listening to, based on what they're listening to, but also based on the specialty that the therapist is either talking about or whatever specialties they have listed on their profile. So yeah. with that said long-term or not long-term, but, you know, short, long-term, we want to use that data um, for that users, you know, what, what users are listening to and what type of therapist they're listening to so that if they are looking for a therapist, we can easily make that match without having to ask or them having to look at pictures and read a bio to pick a therapist. So for instance, for example, if, if you're listening to content around, um, teen PTSD and PTSD, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of teen content uh, or teen depression. So we will, or the app will suggest, hey, you might want to see these three therapists 
that focus on teen anxiety or teen depression or whatever that is that you're listening to a lot of. Um, that's just an idea right now. You know, we might learn new things as, as we're building um, to what, you know, how to make better matches. But that's like the, the little vision I have right now. Not that little. I love that vision. <laughs> no, but because, uh, you know, uh, looking for a therapist for a while myself in the different, you know, because I had to move or uh, just even initially, it, it is kind of process that you need to find somebody who is a good fit, especially for what you are dealing with. And, and that's not always an easy, an easy process and um easy find and like like you said right like for you it wasn't even uh, it was even more difficult so that would be that would be really really great i i, I like it even more now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's actually there's actually a like a statistic that 80 percent of people fall out of therapy within the first or two sessions because they don't feel they're compatible they don't feel that therapist is compatible and then they normally go through three to five therapists before they actually find the one that they're comfortable with. So that's a long process for someone that wants to go to therapy. So you see at least three therapists, you drop yeah. out within you know one or two sessions, and then on the fourth one, then you find one. Like that's two months of you know testing out therapists, not counting the time you're looking for one on the internet by looking at pictures and reading bios or getting matched like a blind date. So, yeah. And it's a big problem for therapists as well. So we're, you know, our main focus is to help people, but mm -hmm. we also want to help therapists like, you know, build their own brand because I, I believe that they are the next influencers in the future right now. You know, we, we're, we're just starting to, to think more about our mental health and, you know, how to be mentally fit or, you know, emotional resilience and all that stuff. And therapists have this knowledge, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, they have this knowledge. Now it won't be therapy, but people will start following therapists on social media, on YouTube, on Sanomine, just to start navigating like what's going on up here, you know, and now that neuroscience is becoming more popular and there are more neuroscientists um, on social media, people are going to start asking questions like, I really want to know how to optimize my brain or be happier or know how to control my emotions. And throughout the day, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. How do I handle that? I don't think you have to be in therapy for weeks or months or years on end for, you know, simple things. You know, you yeah. just have, you might just have to educate yourself. So, you know, I'm bullish on the fact that people, more and more people will like start following therapists that are creating content on the internet and more and more therapists as they come out of school, they will start creating more content because that's just the life that we live in now. I mean, there are therapists on TikTok right now doing silly dances and, you know, posting content. And on, on Instagram, there are a lot of, a lot more therapists now. So it's like, it's like they have to be on there nowadays. So that's only, that trend is only going to continue happening. And Sanomine wants to be the place where we take all this fragmented content and we put it under one place. So whenever mm -hmm. you're thinking about mental health, I want people to think about Sanomine. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, you know, accessibility and making it easy for people, that's a big thing because, you know, it is delicate subject as it is. 
Um, so, um, so it needs to be normalized and, 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 uh, made more easy to access and to, to be a part of. Yeah. And I definitely, you know, hundred percent behind what you're saying. I think mental health, like, I, I think there's just like a bigger happening in a society, but also, you know, mental health and, and neuroscience and just tapping into our brains and, you know, I don't like to say control emotions. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> to say, my therapist used to say, you just need to ride your emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because there is no let's look at it. There is no bad emotions. All mm-hmm. emotions mm-hmm. are energy in motion, and all are needed. You know, anger and frustration and sadness is sometimes as needed as the rest. But I think this idea of like how to navigate it, and 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 obviously there are cases and situations that professional help is needed let's state it clear right like yep. not let's yep. but uh but yeah this accessibility is amazing yeah. um yeah. so okay so now you're doing the actual um after mvp and kind of proofing the product you are making actual app like how the freaking god one makes up <laughs> do do i have to like pay for like to submit it to like for it to be on Apple in an app store. Like, I don't even know stuff like that. Can you just like, um, yep. so spread some wisdom here in that area? So you, you don't have to pay to submit the app to the app store, but pay, it's like a hundred dollars a year. You pay, uh, to become like okay. Apple develop, to have an Apple developer account. Uh, you can upload, you can submit your app, but if you're charging, uh, for any tra- any transaction that's done within the app, Apple takes a thirty percent, yeah, thirty percent transaction fee. No, so, they don't. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a hefty amount. Yeah, that that's being that's being. I think that's in court right now. Uh, but yeah, that that's a big thing that app developers and companies are trying to um, get Apple to lower or just uh, de- you know stop because it's a high, it's a super high cost. It's like an an added tax. So for every dollar they get thirty cents, which is like, but yeah, it's it's a necessary evil because where where are you gonna where are you yes, gonna forget? Like, yeah. You can just have a web product and not be charged, but you know there are millions and millions of people in the app store, so you want to be in the app store. But I mean, to how do you develop an app? Is this it? It's such a long-winded like answer. Um, there are many ways you can. Go to school for computer science. You can take a boot camp and learn one area of software development, where the whether it's uh, front end. So front end is everything you see on yeah. the website or on the app. How the buttons interact with each other. What what does the next thing do? Um, authentication to log in. But then there's also back end, and back end is everything you don't see, um, like a database, and that's that's fun. Um, for me, I think backend is exciting. There's, if you go to school for computer science, also then you learn how to go to science. So you know, I'm just speaking about what I've read it's, and what I've known from open people. Open your computer and put it back together. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So if you go to school for computer science, then you know you you can learn how to write an algorithm, which is you know the really exciting stuff. That's how. Facebook matches you with advertisers. That's how Spotify matches you to music. And that's how most advertisers and ads are, um, you know, match with you to show you. I always, uh, in the past, I work on actual app 
for a client. So I don't, I just know from like, it exists and you update it, upload it and, 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 you know, but I never uh, participated in like from the scratch, but I kind of see it like kind of building a website, right? Just the platform and the device is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And then uh, you go from there. That is interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm learning, I'm learning a lot more about it now. Like, I guess it would be product management because I work with four engineers now and yeah. now I'm learning a lot of things that they're doing and there's a lot to development that goes on. Like there's GitHub where you submit pull requests and, and yeah, there's just so many things that I, I don't even know. Like their own language, like there are flows and <laughs> then you have to like, I remember going into some kind of Jira and putting the quest order. Yeah. It's just like a system of work. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. that is totally uh, foreign to me a little bit, but, but it is, it is interesting for sure. Um, oh, Nesta, what I, what else I want to ask you? I always ask my, my, and you are going to be a great one to ask that question. <clears throat> okay. So we know what next for Son of Mine. I can't wait to see it, but, um, you know, as you running your company, right. As you building, like, uh, what are the, you know, like the, apps even or the the programs the things you or maybe it's a book or a podcast that inspired you on ongoing basis like anything that you can recommend i just love learning from other people what kind of inspired them and helped them running their businesses so i always like to share it like what is what is your your um i don't know t- gadget app podcast book what, what is it <laughs> So for, I mean, for like product that I use a lot now, because I build out the designs and, you know, all the wireframes is Adobe XD. So I love Adobe XD. Oh, but Jesus. this is like a higher level of education. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like, it's just a, not a, it's kind of a design slash wireframing tool for, for anything you want to create. So apps or, or websites. Um, but what I'm, so obviously what inspired me was my personal uh, story with mental health, but there was a book and there's a bunch of books that I've read and I'll, I'll talk about maybe two or three, but the, the one book that really inspired me to build a great company with a great culture and to be a leader that has that, you know, is always making sure I'm thinking about the users, but also our employees first is, um, uh, it's called Onward, and it's by Howard Schultz. And Howard Schultz was the... Oh, my God, I love this guy, the Starbucks guy. Yes, yes. He he was born and raised in Brooklyn, Canarsie, and he literally came from nothing. Um, but what what inspired him was that his father, when he was young, his father lost his job, and his mother was just a, a homemaker. So his father lost his job because of a disability. I forgot what it was. It was like um, a physical disability, his, his leg or something. And he couldn't work. And he, they had no retirement plan or anything. So from that moment, he never, for himself, he never wanted to be in that position. But when he became the CEO and founder of Starbucks, he didn't want his, those employees to ever be in that situation. So that's why he implemented all those uh, those benefits that Starbucks has that many don't give to other employees, like part-time and full-time employees get uh, benefits. They also pay for your college or university, um, and they do a lot of other things that you know I can't list right now because I don't remember. But I just thought he 
he put employees first and that's the kind of company I want to build because, you know, I've worked at companies where it was the, you know, the customer first, uh, profits before everything else. I just never, I never believed in that. And I want to build a company where we put employees first, where they're happy to work here, work here because it's so great and profit. And if employees are happy, profits are just going to roll in. You know, there's nothing to worry about in that case. But that really inspired me. Um, there's a podcast I listen to that also inspires me. It's called um, uh, uh, how, not, not How I Built This. That one's good, but there's one by Reed Hoffman. Oh, I forget the name now. Wait, let me look it up. Don't worry. Yeah. Hoffman Hoff Podcast. Reed Hoffman Podcast, yeah. That's a really good story. That's a really good one because he has – so he was a co-founder of um, LinkedIn, and he was also at PayPal, and he has he's also a VC. Masters of Scale? Yes. No. Masters of Scale, yeah. So that's all – it's all founders that are Ugh, I'm driving to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, the podcast is great because they, they edit it, and it's like a, it's like a story – um, it's not just a conversation, so it's really fun to get into. And they, there are many businesses, startups that you've heard of that they had the founders on there talking about um, how they started the business, what they went through, and what they did to overcome some obstacles. But that one is edited. And this is a funny one that most recently has inspired me, and it takes me back to, I guess, my roots where I where I where I grew up, and. I'm not sure if you're going to know it. You're probably not. And a lot of people probably won't know it. But if you like hip hop, you'll know it. So it's called Drink Champs. And it's by this uh, hip hop artist called Noriega. And now he was a hot artist when I was growing up. But, you know, he has producers, hip hop producers, and also rappers on the podcast. Now, these rappers, they went from literally nothing, nothing to becoming yeah. millionaires and some even billionaires. And they, when they tell their stories, the stories are raw, you know, like what happened, you know, they were in shootings, they were in gangs, but then they started to rap, started to make money and do shows. And they've also had obstacles to overcome and they created their own businesses. And it's so inspiring to hear those stories raw where they don't care what anybody thinks about them. They're being themselves, but now they become better um, people after growing, you know, their careers and businesses from their careers which it's a little bit better for me than Masters of Scale because I grew up around that. And I grew up yeah. with, with people that love hip hop. I grew up, you know, in neighborhoods. I grew up next door to, um, my neighborhood is next door to where Jay-Z came from, Marcy Projects, um, 10 minutes away from where Biggie Smalls grew up in, in Bedford-Stuyvesant. So, you know, that actually motivates me because it's like, wow, if they can do it, I can do it with all these great resources. Now, why that motivates me more than the Masters of Scale podcast is because Masters of Scale, you have these founders, um, the way they talk about how they built their business is like, well, we did this and we optimized for growth and, and, and we just, you know, we iterated on this and it's like, all right, that's great, but I want to hear the nitty gritty. I want to hear how you struggled. I don't want to hear the, the perfectly rosy painted picture. So I... Lately, I've been getting more inspired and motivated by just listening to rappers talk about how they went from nothing to something. I totally hear you. You know, I one thing that 
personally me inspired me um, in my journey and as I, I'm building my company is kind of like you. I really did not fit in many places. I do not like, I don't think so. You have to sound smart to be smart. You can say things in a simple language, which I'm learning from our thank you universe ex-presidents to be soon. That simple language, speaking simply, I just love that. You know, English is my second language, but I never put a pressure on myself. I want you to understand me. I don't want you to think I'm smart. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. And I think when we speak, you know, and those people want to, you know, it's more important to sound smart at certain level, right? When you are in the C-suit level, which I like to call E-suit because it's an ego, flying Mm -hmm. egos right there which I'm really working on. But what you're saying, like sometimes just saying it's simpler, um, I think it gets more through and, and it's a true story, you know, like it, it's, it's a, there are ups and downs and we know it. Tell me about some of your ups and downs. My ups and downs? Um, yeah, I want to <laughs> like, what is the, what do you think, like besides money, obviously, as a startup, we all know money is like, you know, raising money and, and selling things and, and just bringing money in to reinvest it. That's the biggest struggle. But what is the what do you think is the biggest struggle for you now and the biggest success? Let's wait it in. Mm-hmm. When so, it comes to mind. The biggest struggle for me has actually been getting this like this product out. You know, I want to get this this product out already. We have that simple audio player, but that's not it. I've just struggled. I've struggled, struggled, struggled to bring people on to the team because we didn't we don't have funding and you know i can't pay three four i can't even pay one engineer you know sixty thousand a year so i was always shy to ask for pete to ask engineers hey do you want to come on and help i can give you some equity but i can't pay you so i kind of shied away from that but the last co-founder that i was working with technical co-founder he actually the the best in of working with him was he actually pushed me to ask for help he said we're building something great people want to build something that they care about they don't necessarily need to make money if they understand and believe in the vision and he needed help to build the product as well because it was just one person so he forced me to go out there and i went on angelist angel.co and i put and um i put out an ad for a web web developer a front-end web developer and I got so many people to apply, and I was blown away. And then after that, I said, well, I'll try for another one. So we got another one. And then for a third software engineer, and we got a third one. And I just couldn't believe it that people actually believed in the mission and just wanted to work on something from scratch that they thought it was fun and exciting to do. So that was the hardest thing for me to do was actually like hot, I guess you call that hot recruiting and hiring. And recruiting is still hard because now I'm looking for a lead engineer. Because although I have a technical advisor who has over 15 years of experience, he's not day to day. So we need a lead engineer because the three engineers we have now are a little bit junior. So that's really hard. But the success I got from that is now that I'm working with all three of them, we're building a team culture and we're all remote are in California. One of them is in New York. I'm in New Jersey, but I've always felt that I was a good coach and leader and I was good with people. 
So those skills are coming out again as we're building this culture. And I recently got feedback from one of them. And she said that you know, she appreciates how I'm trying to build this culture. I'm doing a good job and how I try to build empathy within the group. And, you know, we have like our happy hours outside of the sprints we have. So that really touched me because I felt, wow, you know, I, I'm, they see that I care. And that's what matters most to me, that they see that I care, that it's genuine. So, yeah, the roadblock and the hardest part for me was recruiting and hiring. And then what came out of that, the positive thing is that they're seeing that I care and it's coming together now. And there's a culture that we're building, even though we're all remote. Yeah. And I know we talk about it. I think you talk about it a few weeks ago on our call or via emails that you were thinking like, it's such an amazing moment to be in. And I I don't know how about you, but I'm personally aware of it all the time. Like whoever I'm going to working with, is it my freelancer designer or is it um, my vendors that I have several I work with? I'm always cautious and not cautious, but I want this to be experienced like I want it. You know, like this is my company, so this is how I work with my vendors, this is how I work with my team. I joke a lot, I like to keep it light. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mm -hmm. remember my dad was a director in Poland and the he was an engineer and they were building a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the cleaning system for Warsaw, capital of Poland. And it was an important position, but you know, I remember my father always, I was coming to his office and it was jokes. Yeah, it was just jokes and the work got done, you know, like the, he was like one of the, you know, uh, really, really uh, respected people out there. Always work done on time, everything, but there was so much fun there. And, you know, and appreciation and respect for everybody on every level. And I think that's, you know, like when you were talking about it the other couple of weeks, like that came to my mind and I was like, I want to make sure that I implement that because for me, like there must be this joy of life, you know, like it's business, it's serious, there's money involved. And I know all of that, but you know, by the end of the day, we have to all have, um, something else from it, you know? And like you said, people nowadays gravitate towards, um, towards projects and companies that mean something you know that they don't only want to make money like that's obvious like we are in a business so the making part it's obvious but like what else is there to you you know like what um um you are creating because because you are you know i don't believe that there are brands like brands people behind the name you know what i mean it's like yeah we, i don't even like want this, to get into that yes. well this brand uh, whatever it's a group of people you know mm -hmm. like and you choose do you address the subject you don't address the you know what i mean like and you you know obvious like just like people you can make choices but anyway that's another whole conversation for another yeah, podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. i because I, I i always internally i always think about that whole brand thing and i love that you said it's a group of people because there's a lot of things that happen with brands or at companies that are brands that I question. I don't know. Sometimes it's taken way too serious, the brand. And I'm just like, it's just a couple people behind that, you know, idea of a brand, but they take it too serious. But anyway, yeah, that's it for another time, that conversation. Yeah, yeah, never take it seriously. But I love all your recommendation. I'll definitely linking below. But tell me... Um, Tell everyone, I think 
you know, I, I love this idea. I want to talk to you for, for a longer time now because I think what you're doing is so important, especially now and, you know, accessibility to mental health tools and, and specialists and, and like I said, even just self-working on yourself, like you mentioned, and I am a, uh, I'm a huge testament to that and, and proponent of that. But tell everyone how they can, where they can download Sunomind, where they can find you, and yeah, yeah. Sanomine.com. Yeah. Yeah. on every profile social media outlet out there. And then me is just uh on Instagram and Twitter is the solo founder. Solo founder. <laughs> yeah, the you solo see, founder, yeah. You're looking for the partner. Sorry, I'm trying to uh for some reason my computer is not charging. If you're looking for the for a partner, founder, and look, solo founder. Yeah. Also, the way you know, we all not have to go in pairs and found together. It, sometimes <laughs> it's a solo journey, you know. Yeah, Maybe I like this. I like this. You too. Yeah, yeah, I love Me it. Too. I love, yeah. Thanks, Nestor. I appreciate it so much. I will um, stop slowly recording now. Oh, um, another episode that I really, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed, like all my guests are blowing my mind always. And the story of Nestor and how he transformed, you know, something that was, um, that he was struggling with in his life and actually something that helps people and make a business of it. I just, those stories inspired me the most. And I hope to bring you more stories like this, maybe next week, maybe in two weeks. Who knows? There is no schedule in the Good Company podcast. Um, just comes when we get inspired and meet amazing people. Like, for example, Nestor Velas that we talked to today. I talked to today. Uh, I talked to. There's nobody else here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to joke. It's a kind of, I think, that joke. Anyway, um, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay full of joy.